the first thing I'd like to do is walk in the energy of the day, which is 13 Kish, and is the animal sign of the deer with one hoof in each of the four directions. This energy is for stability and strength, interconnecting the energy from the four corners of the world. It's an energy of protection, love, and compassion for the natural world and is called in to maintain balance between humans and Mother Earth and her sacred marriage with Sun and the cosmos. May we connect with this energy of today and bring forth the consciousness of being and connect with the wisdom of nature and the natural world. So that's the energy that we're working with today. My name is April Mondragon, and I live in Taos, New Mexico. I live on the treaty lands um, here in the county. Um, uh, I'm a descendant of Yellow Bear, who's Arapaho, otherwise known as the Blue Cloud People. I'm a clan mother of the Osha clan, and also of the Dream Seed Society by way of Rosa Margarita de Oaxaca, Mexico. I'm related to the Hopi by way of my Hopi dad, who uh, is Kokyangmuti, or Spider Clan, on his mother's side, Sun Clan on his father's, and the Bear Medicine Society. Um, I want to take this slowly because I'm going to be talking about <clears throat> the mystery egg and how that relates to the butterfly today. And I think it's important uh, that people know a little bit about who I am and my life uh, in reference to this because I'm speaking um, in reference to my own life and my own relationship, so I'm not speaking as a representative of any nation, even though I have confirmed, conferred with my elders of various, you know, the, my Hopi relatives and uh, the Dreaming Societies and stuff, and that's the most authentic way that I can uh, share with you is through me, my knowing, my understanding of uh, many teachings and, and knowledge that's come to me throughout my life and before that. So um, I want to say that Mishaje Ota Wen Iwa Iwa Kitso, and that's my name. My name is she who is known by many names, and I've spoken to you in the feminine principle. So my... Uh, so I do have many names, many different people, and many different nations uh, have identified me by, by, by different names, so I do actually walk with various different names that I'm identified by with different uh, nations that I have visited throughout the world. Um, I want to talk first about the dreaming, because... Um, for me, it's very simple. My rites of passage into womanhood was in Oaxaca when I was 11 years old. And we hear a lot of things that are out there about the dreaming. And what I can say about the dreaming and being a dreaming person is that it's literally the inner and interconnected dialogue with creationing 
with the consciousness, sentient consciousness of all life. So whether it's the tree, the stone, the star, the cosmos, this is a, a thought, as the um, Kogis would call this thought, or way of being, this connection, as they've named it, a Luna. You know, um, so that's actually what I do. The Aboriginal people in Australia, my family down there, the Gunganji people, they would refer to it as the dream time. So um, I've lived with that because I was identified at a very early age, shortly after I was born, at about six and a half months old. My ancestors began to tutor and mentor me. And um, so my early my early education was with my ancestors was with the tree of life um with the co- and understanding the cosmological cosmological working of the cosmos and i can give you an example of that is i was around <clears throat> 7 or 8 years old and i had gone through one of my lessons with them and uh they had and so from that dreaming, I went and told my mom. It was in the middle of the night. I crawled into bed next to my mom, and I said, Mama, Mama, you know, uh, these are the things that happened. And I was talking to her about black holes in the cosmos. And, you know, I never really thought much about it until I was about 16, and my mother had clipped an, a science article out of a magazine, and, and she said, Look, and I said, I looked at it and I said, oh, the scientists just discovered black holes. And I, I kind of giggled and my mom said, and I said, mom, you mean you remember what I was telling you, you know, all those years ago? And she goes, of course I remember. She says, those were really, really powerful things that were coming, coming through you. And she says, I, and so I've always wanted to support you and, and I've never forgotten all the things that you've ever shared with me. And so I, my mother was a, a really beautiful uh, way she supported each one of her daughters in how they were made, you know, naturally made. So the dreaming from the abuela later on in life and through my ancestors have made it very clear that Historically, we've come through a period of time where the dreaming, imagination, creativity, visions, or whatever people want to call this that we have are somehow relegated to the unreal, okay? And from from a dreaming society person's perspective, these are natural senses, just like hearing, tasting, feeling, seeing, these are natural senses, and from the unseen world is actually how the reality gets created. Okay, it comes from that side to the physical form. And so that might seem a little bit backwards for people, but um, that's the way we experience life. In other words, the dreaming actually guides what is transpiring in our life presently in the now and it connects us to past, present, and future simultaneously in the now when you're following the dreaming. So dreaming has, people have, you have your personal dream, 
you have your family dream, you have your clan dream, your tribe dream, your nation dream, your regional dream, your planetary dream lines, which some people, I guess, talk about grid lines or energy lines on the on Mother Earth. Uh, you have her her dreaming with the solar tribe that we're in relationship with, our Mother Earth's relationship with the sun and the planets and all that, and also the dream of where we came from, which is the womb of the milk and honey galaxy, you know, and that galaxy was literally birthed out of the womb of the cosmos. So we've got a lot going on for dreaming people. <laughs> we we watch and we listen and we pay attention to a lot of different things that are going on, and which also includes the organisms of all of our Mother Earth's children on the planet because the whales have their ancestral memory, the elephants, the trees, the stones, the everything, the, down to the littlest organism on this planet has its energetic consciousness and dreaming. So being inner and interconnected with that um, may seem like really noisy, but it's that where we connect with it is um, in the still quiet of our being. So I spend a lot of time very quiet. So, um, so I want to think about um, where we're going to go with this. Um, how much I want to go into um, my being raised with the ancestors um, guiding me. Um, I was about an, I was about seven years old when my mom took first took me to Hopi, and um, it was there that some things transpired, and um, they identified me as one of their daughters. And being so young at age, um, my mother really didn't know quite what to do with it. But I can remember when she said, well, no, you're coming home. And I said, no, I want to stay here. <laughs> it, that was like the first argument I can remember having with my mom is uh, being quite upset of her not understanding that I was home, you know, and I truly felt at home there. And I was ready to go and live there. And they were ready to have me, but that didn't happen because of the kind of historical things that have happened throughout this country. And the reason I mention this is that we, as a people, need to recognize that there was uh, an energy that I view as a horror came, like a hurricane that came across the, the lands of Turtle Island that literally broke the, it cracked and shattered the egg of creation on Turtle Island in such a way to break the matrilineal lines of knowing and dreaming between um, the feminine lineage of our peoples. And I can give my own personal history, which took me 25 years to unravel because documentation was so absolutely horrible, but... Um, the massacre in Washita in Kansas, from there, Yellow Bear and Bent over here in Taos, New Mexico, and the St. Vrains, all had relationships. But from that massacre came my great-grandmother, 
okay, and she was traded with um, Juan Baptista Martin. She had nine children. My great-grandmother was murdered here. My grandmother was then adopted back out through the St. Vrains, traitors again, and thus goes into the intermarriages within my family uh, to myself eventually being born uh, by my mother and father. My father is Scotch-Irish and my mom, who's Indio, uh, Hispanic from here, of understanding all the all the things that transpired through the three wars of the southwest region and the ongoing wars that still go with these divisions that were brought by a thought form or an idea of what um, colonialism is, which is Manifest Destiny, the Papal Bulls, and the Doctrine of Discovery. And that relationship here is a split <clears throat> of what we understand is, is the natural lore of creationing in relation to a woman's egg. Not only the woman's egg, but Mother Earth actually being the egg of creation for, at this marriage between Earth and sky of what created human beings. And every people around the world, every indigenous people around the world, have their creation stories that go back for, throughout the many worlds that we as a species have been here. For some people, we are moving from the fourth world to the fifth world. For some, it's the fifth to the sixth. And then we hear the prophecies about the eighth fire and all these different, all these different things. So what are prophecies? Prophecies were the ability of our ancestors to see over the horizon of not only themselves but of humanity. And they are, were very interconnected with this dreaming of creationing. So right now we're in a position, uh, we, and when we say we are the ancestors, we are the future generations, we are the ones we have been waiting for, is that depending on which movie we're deciding to run right now, the prophecies of our ancestors, um, it's the choice of living those, which seems to be a lot healthier way forward, or continuing this dying empirical movie of Manifest Destiny and all that, you know. So part of that hurricane that, that came across this country was to... Um, to try and separate or break that knowing through the dreaming, which comes through um, the matrilineal side of, of the dreaming, that interconnection with with all life that way. And when you do that, um, what the the lie that we buy into as women and men is that somehow I have lost everything. You know, I have lost this. I no longer have connection with my tribe, my nation, or who I am, or whatever. We get very confused. But I want to tell something about when I was in Australia with my Gunganji family, and I listened for, for three and a half days to um, part, part. It was an international gathering, and we were asked, the international people were asked to come there 
so that we could be present and listen to uh, the stories of the stolen generation. And one of the, the themes throughout that was that we no longer dream anymore. And there is a great grief in that. And so with the genocide and separations of our tribes through the idea of quantification and qualification of what makes you indigenous or not, no matter how you have been intermarried or how you came to be on this planet, uh, with as a human being, um, these ideas that could be that are broken and lost, those are the things that we're repairing uh, within ourselves. And so um, the message that I brought there at that time <clears throat> was a dream that I had had 22 years prior through a doctoring from Tellus Goodmorning, who was one of the most beautiful and generous <clears throat> uh, shaman of uh, Taos Pueblo. And um, that dream I took to them because I was born, I was literally from that dream and that healing doctrine, I was birthed out on this shore uh, where there was the, um, uh, the rainbow serpent and I was in this village of all these different people. And I took the vision there and it's a, quite a long story which I I'm, would be, I can share, but it, let's respect time and the point of this, this call. But when I went around the circle of elders that had been sharing there, I said, who dreamed me because I dreamed you? And it, it went around the circle and the, and the elders were going, no, not me, not me, not me. And finally, Uncle Bob says, well, it wasn't me, but it was my dad, and I've waited all this time, and you finally come. He says, now I know we can bring back the new son, and that was the ceremony that we did back there, and that was in November of 2012, or, yeah, November of 2012 is when that gathering was. So we went through the, the new ceremony of bringing back the new son, the fifth son, there that's where I was so that's what I want to say about how powerful that the dreaming is and right now the dreaming is becoming very very strong with it, with that connection with Mother Earth because we as people can say well we're in this new world and it's all brand new and everything the reality is it, for me anyway is that every prior world, as I said, has had a different ecosystem here. Our Mother Earth has changed. We can just think about the the, the knowledge of the, the world before the flood and the flood and what happened after the flood. And that's known throughout the world. All people know about the flood on this planet. They call it the Great Flood. I'm just going to use that as one example. There was a world prior to that and the world after that. So what is that feminine uh, energy? It's the energy of the ability to birth. Okay. And it's, and it's on, like I said, on a most personal level for a person birthing that vision and that dream and being able to live at that, that dream. 
And it also has to do with us as humanity as well. The culture that we're going to choose, the beauty that we're going to create together, um, and how we are going to live with our mother in balance and harmony with her. So... um, I'm going to take a little bit of a, um, so I want to go back, also tell you a little bit, something else about my family as well. Um, My father was a conscientious objector, as was Thomas Binyaka during um, World War II. And so sometimes I feel like I was born into a village of the future but I'm living in the past right now because people are still trying to figure this thing out about how these new tribes or these new communities can be created. My mother and father were both activists. And um, so my father went to prison because he could see no difference between the United States government and Hitler, okay? They were both committing genocide, and his he could not... Um, he didn't want to support or be part of uh, either, either one of those colonial forces, okay? So he practiced noncompliance. And throughout his imprisonment during that time, because he was sent to prison. He was moved around to different uh, prison camps, forest prison camps, and he was also sent to the big house in New York. Um, in that, he made a lot of friends because he taught them noncompliance. And noncompliance is actually what got him out of prison early because um, they... Because people would follow this refusal to cooperate with a system that didn't work and was oppressive. And they eventually let him out. And my mother was working um, with the ACLU on the other side uh, with a lot of other people uh, to get these people out. Well, my dad made a lot of friends, and so did my mom. And so I was literally born into a village that these people created and they were every color, spiritual practice, and their one binding thing was to raise their children with peace together and, and live in harmony with Mother Earth, and that all the children were open to be able to, whatever they wanted to choose, uh, to walk spiritually, to learn from everybody. So... Um, my first sweat lodge was at at five years old, and that was long before the 1978 Freedom of Religion Act, but I also learned during that time when I was really little, uh, because of Grandmother Juno and, and her family, that they, they told us that this was so holy and so sacred that it was secret. So I learned very young that, that there were certain things about, um, how I made and and our our way of being w- was needed to be be hidden from 
the 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 outside world outside of our village we were specifically told that you don't share with <laughs> with people outside your village and so that too it can be oppressive because um then then a child learn, learns that you know we're not going to be be accepted so i was was raised um in that village and we had our own school for all the kids and like i said there was uh paramahansa yogananda was had his first temple so this this little village was actually in southern california where i was born and it no longer exists today uh because all of us have grown up and gone on and our parents and and i returned to new mexico um when uh prior just prior to my during my pregnancy with my son so my son is actually born from here um to try for me to heal the grief and the loss of where did our matrilineal lines get get broken in our own own my own family this is the the next part i want to share is bringing it currently into the for into the current world because it, at some point I'm going to want to talk about the mystery egg specifically of the Hopi prophecy and I need a minute um because I'm going to want to read something and I didn't prepare for that is that okay Andy Mac Yeah that's fine Okay I'll come in when you're ready and I'll edit it as if, as if there was no break or or if there was a, a part 2 you know I'm I'll make it I'll make it flow Okay All right. Okay. I want to talk about um this one part of the Hopi prophecy that's um by Dan Ehema spiritual leader eldest elder Greasewood snake priest roadrunner clan society father and kachina father um and this is a quote it says the final stage called the great day of purification has been described as a, as a mystery egg in which the forces of the swastika and the sun plus a third force symbolized by the color red culminate either in total rebirth or total annihilation we don't know which but the choice is yours war and natural catastrophe catastrophe may be involved the degree of violence will be determined by the degree of inequity caused among the peoples of the world and in the balance of nature In this crisis rich and poor will be forced to struggle as equals in order to survive. Okay, the way I look at it again as mother earth being our great mystery egg, she is the mother of our natural world. So if we look at what is is happening today, um there has been an argument and i'm not sure exactly when that argument happened but it happened thousands of years ago 
when we look at a woman's egg, the egg, the woman's egg contains the mitochondrial and imaginal cells. The sperm doesn't. Okay, and what does the mitochondrial and imaginal cells do? It has the capacity to metamorph, and that's the association with the butterfly. Okay, because the butterfly literally changes from being a caterpillar into a winged being. So, and its DNA changes, if you look at the butterfly, its DNA changes, and human beings' DNA DNA metamorphs as well. The egg, when it metamorphs, splits, its first split is into two, which creates earth and sky. And that's our relationship. As we know ourselves, we are made of earth and sky. That's what she does. So that's that electromagnetic marriage between earth and sky that activates that egg to begin its metamorphic process. So when we look at that argument of whenever it happened to have control and domination, and that's why the splitting of the egg, and if you look at, at what we're living right now and this, the craziness about it, what are GMOs? What was the splitting of the atom? Forced splitting of the atom created an atom bomb. When we look at GMOs and gen- genetic en- engineering, um, all these things, in the, 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 the imbalance between men and women's relationship with, their, with each other, these are that, that tangled web or, the, or Iktomi as being a trickster, the coyote being a trickster of tangling up all this relationship. And that's part of our healing is to clear that energy so that we can weave beauty, a beautiful tapestry with not only our lives, but collectively with each other. So, um, so long, long ago, and some of these practices are still um, uh, here today, and they, call, they talk about uh, the sexual union uh, between uh, men and women is not not necessarily just for procreation of creating babies. It's like Hitler was obsessed with creating the perfect race, you know. And so we see all these little little obsessions. It's like, this is crazy, you know, behavior, when naturally we do it on ourselves because the egg has its own magnetism to choose. And, and this is what is also known is that the strongest characteristics, the most healthy characteristics, are are chosen naturally in our in the in the union of the egg and the sperm. Just to just to let you know that. And so these ideas of wherever they came from, to me, sound sound very odd of of wanting to go in and um, not only genetically modify seeds you know, our ancestral heirloom seeds that our Mother Earth gave us already naturally, and that seed has not only uh, the, the, the little seed already has the tree in it, well, so does a woman's egg. And so, you know, um, long ago during the Middle Ages also, there was a, originally the women 
um, were called glamour girls, and glamour didn't mean what it means today, like, you know, putting on makeup and everything. Glamour actually meant in the Middle Ages one who can create beauty. And they, and all that feminine knowledge, because the war started way across the pond here before it ever reached the United, reached Turtle Island. Um, and so the glamour girl created beauty, beauty, and she was also the healer and, and that which, which had that connection with the natural world for the healing medicines and all this and when the the priests from the catholic church the vatican came out those were the the ones that they wanted to befriend was these women with all this knowledge and those priests eventually became the medicine people to the kings that 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 church put up as the the fiefdoms or these kingdoms all over there to rule the people, and so that was part of the reason that once they had the knowledge, which is archived over there, actually, um, that they murdered, you know, there's counts from everything from from 100,000 to millions of women and villages over there in Europe. So this is in our, this, this happened before the, they were already traumatized before they even got got over here, the women. So there was this dynamic that was created with the masculine being in in charge of this kingdom of their kingdoms and their lands and all this stuff. And for the survival of the children, there were the, the matriarchs that supported it. Literally. I mean so it's not just men and women. There is no such thing as just the patriarch and just the matriarch. Um, they work together in creating and continuing it, and that's something that is shifting and moving as this call out by the grandmothers for the fem- and all of our ancestors saying the feminine energy is rising on this planet. So I want to talk now about uh, this this part of the Hopi prophecy. Now, um, when you look at the symbol of the swastika, what they're referring to is the the symbol of the the swastika that is going earthwise, or it's counterclockwise, or moonwise. Those are three different ways to describe that swastika that Dan is referring to. And then he says, and the sun. And if if you see that swastika of the symbol of the swastika worldwide, Tibet is the one that goes clockwise or sunwise of how the sun travels. And then you have the third, which is symbolized by the the color red, and that's our blood, our DNA, our the it's the the woman's blood literally it's the the water blood that runs in our veins that that it that carries uh that life energy of making us human beings so when you put all three of those symbols together what do you find you find this this universal symbol that's found all over the world which is the butterfly or the the hunabku which has the four arms that come out of the the milk and honey galaxy and most most people like there's an image of it that was painted that Jose Jose Argulis made very 
famous, which was painted in the 1800s, I believe. But again, they paint it and they do not show how that energy comes back into the center. So what has been created by seeing things without the completion of the butterfly is that we're in linear time rather than a pulsing of the butterfly because it's a dance of energy that is giving and receiving. It's a giving and receiving energy of, of that is within the four directions. You see that there's the four four petals there and the four direction direction medicine wheel in Tibet. The symbol um, is also uh, known as one of the symbols of enlightenment. And for the Celts, I found it that it's one of the eternal life knots. Um, in Africa, I found the symbol, and it meant peace and reconciliation. Um, in the Mayans, and in, in talking with different Mayan um, Kiche leaders and different other women that actually do some do some of the moon dances, which are associated with Ixpapalotle, which is the butterfly goddess. Um, that's the the portal of the enchanted flower. It's the enchanted flower that opens the portal to the ninth world's ninth dimensions. So this all the all these things lead me back to okay, here we are and for for a lot for many, many years everyone because we have our our how it's been traditionally done is that the, the the women decide and the men decide what they want to put out as public knowledge. And oftentimes it's the men we send out to be that public men, messenger to people. And that time, um, we need to hear, now is the time that we need to actually start hearing from the women because no man can talk about the womb and the egg other than women because that's who we are we're made just like mother and um it's us who needs to share that that kind of knowledge so for a long time we've been looking at what dan ethema and the other uh thomas Banyaka about those three symbols as three separate symbols rather than one symbol of unity and so that's why I'm speaking about it in that context of bringing those three symbols together and you're going to find an unlocking of knowledge within yourself and in the world. So the next part I want to talk about is the butterfly because um, I've talked, um, I, I met up with uh, Benny Blue Thunder whom I've known for many, many years, um, knew one of his elders very, very well that was a um, uh, keeper of or caregiver of the medicine wheels throughout the Southwest. And I, he, he happened to be at another international conference that we were in down in New Zealand um, about, the, the, uh, about water because the Waiataha people of the Maori Nation are the guardians of, of the ancestral knowledge of the starseed waters and water, um, and they open their doors for the first time to the world to share that knowledge. And I, they invited me there, and I got to go, and Benny was actually there, and we were comparing some notes. 
and he was receiving the, the same messages that I was as well. And that goes to the Danza de la Mariposa, which I want to talk about, because this is, the reason I call it this is that the vision that came in, which has been acknowledged by Basil Braveheart of the Lakota Nation, who's been an intercessor of 28 years, um, acknowledged the vision and brought that into our local Sundance here in Taos, New Mexico. Um, because also the elders know that it's time for the visions again to once be honored from the men, the feminine side, because long ago um, it was through the dreaming of the women's side that would bring these visions forward. White buffalo calf woman, she gave that vision, and it came right through that matrilineal uh, white buffalo calf woman to the two those two um, men, one of which was turned to dust and the other one that brought back her message. So these are very important things, I think, that we're all beginning to look at of what are these messages like with the 13 grandmothers and other, other women that are stepping forward to saying this is what we're saying. So the message... What happened is my one of my sisters and I were sitting in a, a prayer circle, and the ancestors um, came in, and they circled around us. And these ancestors were from every nation, every color, every being, every everything. And I'm going, wow, <laughs> okay. And it was interesting because it was a calm, beautiful day that afternoon, and... Um, but they all came in with this breeze that all of a sudden it just, this breeze came up, they circled around and we were circled with them. And they gave, um, the instructions of the Danza de la Mariposa. Their primary message was that, um, the time of sacrifice, bloodletting, warring, um, is over that everything needs to be done with that joy and that love. And that included, includes that the return of the giving of the blood through the women in the natural way is to be respected and honored. In other words, women naturally bleed and give that blood to Mother Earth. That was our old way. And when that begins to happen again, our men no longer need to sacrifice themselves for war or in any other way of shedding blood because the women are taking care of that. And those ceremonies are, again, having their place to bringing the dreaming and the visioning into reality for our humanity. So the the... One of the images that Andy is going to uh, put up on this audio is one of the images that is the map of what that dance is. I confirmed with Benny, and what Benny Blue Thunder's work is, is to first clear the tra trauma and drama out so that we can we can move forward with clarity, love, joy, and balance and harmony with each other again and ourselves. And that's an energy and a consciousness 
that we embody because, as I said, it's a pulsing energy of a, an electromagnetic energy literally within us. When we look at the three symbols of the butterfly, and that's the second image that I, I painted, and you will see is while I can only, I'm not a graphic artist, so I can't do some of those fancy things yet with computer technology that actually show the pulsing of those, the wings of that butterfly. And that's a dance of energy that is within us. And that's why I love John Trudell's work, work as well, is because he continually talks about us being energy. We are energy. So understanding our own energy and the dreaming, you know, he talks about it as being intelligence. And we talk about the mind and the heart connection. However, and I am all for that. And our ancestors, you know, Don Alejandro and everybody has been doing this for 30 years of asking for the eagle and condor to come together, representing the mind and the heart to come together in humanity. Well, yeah, okay. And once we have that, and I have another painting that that I painted also this last year that uh, I'll have Andy post that you can see as well that's called the Eagle Condor Being. I danced with that being in 2009, and that's a whole other story that's a hoot um, because the union of mind and heart is us. However, my one question, and I'm just going to throw this question out to, to the people, and you think about it. Um, when we ca- talk about the evolution of our own species, humanity, and we're in a crisis, are we going to commit suicide, or are we going to get this balance and harmony with our own selves and each other and being able to live with Mother Earth? When we talk about the evolution of our species as human beings, Right, the heart and mind, you know, are are connected. But what about the all the all the chakras below that? We have created trauma in the lower chakras between each other. That also needs to be healed because we are whole and beautiful, whole and beautiful. Naturally, we're born that way, and so um, that's that from from our lower chakras are through our legs takes us down to the the heart of mother earth that that is like part of the root structure of the tree of life so we need that connection and so that's my introduction so if you or invitation to you to, to consider these things that just to stay locked in the heart and mind isn't the totality of, of us either we are everything we are whole and beautiful. It's kind of like when I say, geez, I've waited 50 years for anybody <clears throat> to step forward and talk about the egg of creation and what, why it is that our men protect the garden, protect her, the woman, is because she has the egg that literally has the capacity to metamorph. The sperm doesn't. He protects her. He cre- he creates, help create. When she says, "I am to be in a garden," when I was pregnant with my son, it was really interesting because um, uh, uh, I was told that I would never be able to have children, 
and uh, you know, I even have a an older sister that after her first child, they they uh, uh, sterilized her. You know, I mean, this, these are common things in Indian country. The people here, you know, uh, that goes on toward women uh, and trying to control our ability to create. And so, um, but I, I had been working with my uh, doctor of 38th generation, Mao Xing Ni, and <clears throat> when I find, and, and I worked with him for a long time to get healthy because the Western doctors couldn't figure out how come I was, I was literally dying, <laughs> you know. And um, when I got pregnant, it was like, Oh my God, how happy, you know, we were all, he, he was so happy. He goes, oh my gosh. He says, we're, we're complete now. He says, everything is in balance again with you. And he says, now you can go live. And he says, live, in, live a good and happy life. And I looked at him and I says, but I've been with you so long. You know, what am I going to do without you? He says, he says, no, be, be so happy, you know, that everything you've learned by working with me, you know, you're going to carry out in the world and, and raise your family in a good way. And, and I says, well, what should I do? And he says, the most important thing to do <clears throat> is that you now are only in a garden of beauty, joy, and happiness. He says, the happier you are in, in the garden you create during your pregnancy, you will have healthy children. And so what I like to remind people in the world is that right now, <clears throat> because Mother Earth is pregnant, and she is going to metamorph in my life, in your life, I mean, we're already seeing the movement of her, uh, of how she's moving around, and um, and just based on, you know, our historic knowledge and ancestral marriage that we have literally lived through other worlds there's going to be a change. She is going to birth. She is going to change. And so it's our ability to live with her. So when I look at the feminine, if, if I'm a woman or a two-spirit person or whatever, though, really walks with this feminine knowing, this feminine energy, then I'm inviting people to look at the, the newborn female baby to the oldest thousands of year old grandmother as being pregnant and what we want to do is create that beautiful support a beautiful garden for her to birth whatever that creation dream of balance and harmony is the tapestry of beauty so the next invitation that i have <clears throat> is to invite uh women to gather during their moon time during their grandmother's councils, during their sing-dance celebration, whatever they're doing, is to realize that just as our ancestors had the ability to see over the horizon of humanity, and we are currently living their dreaming of bringing unity to humanity, another responsibility is also to be able to see it. We always talk about being able to see for the next seven generations. I'm inviting the women to really look at what of holding the presence and the consciousness of the most 
beautiful creation story for this next world. And it's going to be based in beauty. And the reason I say beauty more than love, peace, and all this other stuff is because beauty within that, the concept of beauty or honja dine, dine, say, is everything. It's balance, it's harmony, it's a garden, it's love, peace, everything, and beauty. Because we are made whole and beautiful. We're made naturally this way. We are made naturally with the dreaming. So that's that's the other invitation that I have. And um, I look forward to working with circles of women in the dreaming and doing that kind of work with them. So uh, on the last note, I want to say an invitation about working with... Um, uh, Benny Blue Thunder and myself and many other grandmothers and, and women and men and everybody together to, um, we're, we're seeing that in 2016 we want to be located in very key places, sacred sites, uh, along the equatorial zone, even though everyone on the planet can hold this energy. We are wanting to clear trauma and drama, uh, you know, first that healing medicine so that the new energy of healthy birth <clears throat> and support of our mother in a healthy way because Mother Earth can literally heal everything. Um, and I love something that Teokasen Ghost Horse said, which is something like, and I'm not quoting him probably exactly, but we can't solve the problem with the same thinking that created the problem. So there are many, there are still going to be many new technologies and all this stuff coming out. However, all the stuff that we have, are we with, I mean, with, I mean, Mother Earth, her energy and life force energy and her marriage with Father Son is, is bigger than any one of us or us collectively. And that is a very that I message that I'm getting is to return to living with mother is that we need to connect with this balance of energy within ourselves. And my just meditating on this, these symbols of the three Hopi symbols being united as one or the Danza de la Mariposa uh, image, that image, brings me directly into my own center and it connects me with the center or the core or the birthing nature of Mother Earth, her heart, her womb, her beingness. And so, and she is pulsing as well. I mean, we see it all the time in her cycles of life as she goes around that medicine wheel of life with our son. So, and it's, and it's a very beautiful energy. Also, we talk about water, and I want to talk a little bit about water and um, the messages of the water that are being conveyed and one very and a few different very important things that I learned um, from the Wayataha people uh, and I want to uh, say a shout out and my love to to Kwaya Kor Kwaya meaning grandmother Kor and Tepotahau, uh, grandfather Tepotahau, 
uh, in New Zealand there and all my brothers and sisters there that were so generous uh, in hosting us and taking care of us while we were there. Some of the most beautiful brothers and sisters I've ever met and I could go on and there's Kirat and oh just so many so many there and Evan and oh my goodness all, all the relatives there um, one of the things that happened there is um, uh, the portal that opened we were literally bathed with the new star water from the womb of our milk and honey galaxy so we we had heard about that, that we were we we're in this photon band and we're in this this galactic lineup since 2012 and we're going through these waves. Yet their ancestral knowledge marked this particular time that we were there is when the fire serpent and the water ser- ancestral water serpents come together and um, the Shinto priests that came from Japan ushered in. Though that true, we continue to see these same symbols of the serpent, the the butterfly, the spider, the I mean, all these medicines continually over and over and over, which are are far more ancient of languages as language as symbols of the consciousness or the the of of creation. So it's kind of so what happened is. Um, during that same period of time, this last couple of years, scientists have now found out, they go, oh my God, that dark matter that's between the stars, there's water in there. <laughs> well, this is ancestral knowledge that if, if a woman looks inside of herself, you know, and we look inside of ourselves, we're made of water. Okay, in between each and one, every one of those little cells and those sparkling things and those cells have water as well. We see water everywhere. And so the water of our, our Mother Earth was literally bathed with a new star seed water all over the planet. So it's not so much do we not, do we not have enough water it's that there's plenty of water it's coming into harmonic harmony harmonious relationship with water and this is why we have these beautiful songs that have come out by like josephine mandeman who says here i'm giving you this song sing to her i love you i appreciate you forgive me if i've done harm I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. When we say this to water, we literally, or we pray with water, how much love and gratitude and respect that we have for water, and then we drink that water. We create holy water, and that holy water is like our medicine. We talk about water being the first, first holy medicine that we, we are given is water. And water is life. We say this, but praying every day with our water will also go into every other water because the water that come from within oh and the other scientific knowledge is that you know they said oh my god there's actually water a great body of water underneath mother's earth skin and i said oh god they found that out too ah well, let's not let them get into that, 
because these are these are literally mother's embryonic waters that birth life. We as as human beings are birth. We're living in an embryonic sac. I know what I wanted to share too, Andy. It was what I want to to point to because long, long time ago, um, uh, I was at an elders gathering and Tata Rigoberto and his wife had come up from El Salvador to share the the fire teachings, and that that. That's another beautiful story that I'm not going to go totally in depth with, and I'm not going to give the, the fire story, the fire teaching from Tata. But one of the things he said: everything can be learned from Mother Nature. Okay, and this is why I keep inviting women back to reconnecting with their own nature. When we see the first thing that a, that a woman's egg will do is it that first separation into two is earth and sky. The next thing that's created is the umbilical cord, okay, that is connected with the placenta inside of her womb in this little watery womb that she's got. And that umbilical cord that's created, okay, is the giving and receiving of nourishment. Giving and receiving. And so then after that, um, the first organ that is created is the heart. Okay, so I want to mention this in going back to my own experience um, and why I'm speaking about the mystery egg, too, is that there's a story that Chief Elaine Jr. shared recently that I heard, and I don't say it like he does, but I can say it like I do, but it's this story of, of about uh, creation calling together all the the animal helpers and everyone to um, because the two-leggeds had been created and creation wanted to give the two-leggeds something very special. But creation didn't want the two-leggeds to be able to find it. And so the buffalo come and they say, well, hide it in the, in the sweet grass. And creation says, no. <laughs> They'll find it in the sweet grass. Eagle comes and says, "We'll find it in the. Uh, well, let's put it up in the tree." And creation says, "No, they'll find it in the tree." And then the salmon come and they say, "Well, let's take it down to the the whales and they'll put it way, way, way down in into in grandmother ocean. Surely they won't find it there." And creation says, "No, they'll find it there too." And finally, little grandmother mole who has such an intimate and beautiful connection with the heart and love of Mother Earth and all of her compassion for her children, she comes up with her little squinty eyes out of her little mole hole and she says, how about putting it in their heart? And creation loved this so much that creation said, yes, we'll put it in their heart. And so from henceforth, the spirit are the being part of human being was put in the heart of the human human two-legged. Well, I want to refer back to the the very moment a woman knows that the spark of that consciousness of that spirit has come into her womb. And it happens right when that heart is created. 
and that spiritual, that umbilical cord there is literally the same umbilical cord that our spirit have that the yogis talk about that can go up through the top of your head and you can go explore the cosmos or do whatever you want if you know what you're doing (laughs) and comes back, okay, while we're in human form. So what I want to mention about this is, is that at nine years old, one of my mentorships with my ancestors, that was when the whole conversation with my ancestors took place when I was nine years old, is they said, would you take care of this egg? And I said, well, what's the egg? And they go, well, we want to put it inside you. And I go, well, why do you want to put it inside me? See, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an inquisitive little girl, and my grandma always used to laugh. She says, you know, that curiosity of yours can get you in trouble, <laughs> you know. But I was always asking questions, you know. What and why, why, you know? I was just made that way. And, but anyway, what they said is that... Um, uh, because it was it was the greatest protection that the spirit could have was by putting by putting that inside me that I myself would be the greatest protection for unlocking the knowledge or the the what needed to go from this world to the next world and so um there were long periods of my my life at times that I would look at this egg inside myself and say what in the world you know, what am I supposed to do with this? When am I supposed to come out with whatever it is? What's in there? And because I asked them, well, what's in there? And they said, if we let you know too young without being strong enough to hold this knowledge or or be care care for all the knowledge that's in there, um, uh, we want it, want you you not only to to be safe to be able to go from the this world to the next world. But we also know that the information also needs to be be cared for and protected too, till you're strong enough. And I want to tell you that it, the walk, the earth walk, as a human being, holy cow! Like I said, you know, um, waiting 50 years for uh, somebody else to talk about these kinds of things uh, that would be more acceptable to whom you think should talk about it. Because we have quantified and qualified so much of who we think each other are by colonial standards, which only are degrees of separation from being who we truly are as the being part of, of human. So whatever shape or form I, I was in, that has been my, my, my uh, greatest challenge i think to heal within myself um so that i can speak from whatever my sense of knowing is because once that happens it really doesn't matter uh what form i come in to deliver the message either you find some truth in it or some benefit or you don't and you just move on you know but no one can cut an arm or a leg or part of them off to make somebody else happy. Everyone is born whole and beautiful. And that is something that we need to really return to for every child that's born, no matter what shape, size, color, polka dots, I don't care what it is. All of our children are our children. 
that are created whole and beautiful. As long as we don't keep allowing people to come in and start genetically messing with us and and doing these these Frankenstein experiments, because um, we're only what we do to the corn, what we do to the apples or potatoes or all this genetic modification or when we create bombs or whatever, we're literally doing it to ourselves and this is why, you know, some of our men that come home from war, they're they're very, they have what they call that post-traumatic stress when they're standing there being asked to kill, kill the, themselves is what they really, it boils down to, is that they're killing part of themselves. They're killing their own brothers and sisters. How crazy is this? So I loved um, Grandmother Perea from from uh, New Zealand when she said, "The war is over," <laughs> you know, and we really need to wake humanity up to that great imagine of of John um, of uh, uh, John Lennon. And Yoko, you know, peace is possible. It's here if you want it, you know, and it's us for us to be able to live that. We we literally any dream that we have or that we receive, the only way it becomes reality, tangible reality, is when we live it. So I'm just giving the historical knowledge some of the historical knowledge about the mystery egg. And so what is encoded in that mystery egg for us literally is going to come through the dreaming and our care for the egg, which is embodied by every woman, every feminine being here. So when I hear elders say the the movement of change is going to be led by women and protected by men, we actually need that balance to happen again for us because sometimes we have to do one step back in order to go one step forward because women are going to be bringing forth that balance and that culture of balance and harmony with each other through the languages through the language of beauty and every indigenous language that we know of um uh basil basil had shared with me after i shared with him the danza de la mariposa vision and he said the closest English language to the Lakota language is a quantum, is the quantum physics language, because it's a lang- and and I would go further than that and say it's a language of beauty. All of these indigenous languages are languages of beauty. So when people talk about the matrixes of illusion as well, we as as cultures throughout time, all of our different cultures have had what we call today is gods and goddesses and all this other stuff. Well, think of it this way. These are matrices by which our cultures are created. Okay, and what is the name, let's say, Ixpapalole in, in Nahuatl, which means butterfly. Ixpapalole is a beautiful sound when you say that, as is butterfly. I love the word butterfly. I love the word mariposa as well but when we say what we say these words these songs these sounds that we do 
we are literally creating a frequency for physical manifestation. And so when I look at gods and goddesses, I only look at them as in the embodiment of a particular consciousness of creation. So when we say we are the ones we've been waiting for, what is the what is that frequency or what is that consciousness we are embodying right here and right now? If you want to be a god or goddess or whatever, that's all fine with me too, or call yourself a princess or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Um, that's all up to that person. My, for me, the highest, um, uh, what I wanted, what I came here to be, or to know, really, is how to walk with that consciousness as a human being, naturally. And there's a, they, uh, I've heard in the Lakota language, um, which means natural man, natural woman. And I would like to be a natural human being, being a human being. <laughs> you know, and if I can get that, because I was told um, by another friend, another brother of mine who was uh, Wallace Black Elk's firekeeper for like about 10 years and and he said that Wallace had said that, that the meaning of that was that, and I hear this, the Diné have a beautiful way of saying it too, is that we are made whole and beautiful, and being a natural human being is sacred. We are sacred creation. And so so um, that's the way I, have, I look at all other people as being holy and sacred beings, and they're made whole and beautiful and and they're made from beauty, and they live in beauty, and, you know, that's our, one of our birth gifts. So, um, yeah. So all the other things that we may learn, like I'm a doctor or I'm a teacher or all those, those are other, they're like tools that are part of the expression of that beauty of who we are and how we're naturally made. We develop skills and a way to share that love and beauty of who we are um, no one being more or less than anyone else and that's a hard context because religions tend to trap us into hierarchies and matrices and as soon as that happens then somebody somebody is not you know, some child somewhere is not getting enough food or water or care. And that is very imbalanced. Um, and just as I perceive linear time as being imbalanced, time and space is pulsing. And it's beyond time. There is no time. That's a trap as well. So, because I am the past and I am the future and I'm sitting here right now with you. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Andy Mack. Again, I want to thank all the listeners and everyone who's present. I want to thank all that came before, all that comes in the future, and most definitely the present and in the now that we have with each other today. Um, I want to thank all the helpers. Um, that have gathered around um, 
to make this possible. I want to thank Mother Earth and Father Sky, the Sun. I want to thank... I'm just really grateful for the breath of life and learning how to to speak and share today. And uh, I want to say, Wankatanga Dugashla, Kokenwuti Unau. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all the medicines, for our Mother Earth, for our gardens. May we nourish life in a beautiful way. May all be healthy. May all be filled with joy and love. May the imagining and the creativity and the dreaming and the visions that each and every one of us have um, that are so beautiful, may those be nourished and supported and become a living reality for each and every one of us. Aho.